Welcome back to the Lost Boys of Hannibal podcast. I'm your host, Frankie Cambaletta, and with me as always... Chris. Just Chris. <laughs> We're still on that. We are. We will be the whole year, Chris. Oh, boy. Till next Christmas. Yep. Yeah. Just Christmas. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so um, in the studio, we have a guest. A returning guest. Returning for the third time. Yeah. On the YouTubes. We liked her so much we had to bring her back again. We, you said that you liked her. You're like, yeah, she's got a good mic voice. Yeah, I did. I did say that. I did hear that. (laughs) All right. Well, Candace. Hello, guys. Hello. She's, yeah. Radio? You want to find your radio job? Are you trying to tell me I have a radio You have have a face for radio? (laughs) No, that's me. (laughs) I'm wearing my merch today. Yeah. Nice. You can buy these on the line. Nice. Merch store. Nice. nice little hoodie. Helps the cause. That's right. Speaking of causes. Yes. We have uh, our Facebook discussion group and uh, check out. So we brought back the to-do list. So check that out if uh, there might be some stuff that you can help us with. So make sure to check that out. And if you have uh, some thoughts, you can private message us or you can uh, make a message on the board. But we got a lot of things we're looking for. Anything from Charles Stewart stuff that we mentioned a few episodes ago. Terry Hill. Terry Hill stuff. Uh, also, ser- Searchers in 67. Uh, also, I put a weird thing in there about I'm asking for... Somebody that can survey, do surveying for me, or mm-hmm. somebody that would willing to sell me surveying equipment. So, if you know somebody in the Hannibal area that can do surveying, you're just going to keep the surveying equipment in the garage next to the cat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Next to the cat, I'm going to survey where my cat goes in my yard. That's right. That's yeah. right. So, well, it's good to have. Yeah, I have plenty of stuff in my basement that I don't use. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, metal detector would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Are we making great. a Christmas list? We should. Christmas is over. Well. This is going to take us to next Christmas. Oh, that's true. That's so true. this is going to be a very long year. <laughs> Lost Boys Animal. It's a manifestation year. I believe that 2023 is going to bring a lot of new hope and a lot of new open and closed books um, for this podcast. I think we're uh, we're really on to something this year, so that's yeah. pretty cool. I also want to give a, um, a shout-out to the audience and the people that have been so inclined to help us. Uh, from Denise Hogue, your yeah. mom, Absolutely. I believe she said that She's seen a huge response thus far, and I think you were out there with her not too long ago yeah, um, on the ground, and people were coming out, and, and the mutual community of that River Street, right, that same, and you, you remember that from your childhood, right, the, the community, the yeah. village of people that want to help. So she thanks you for doing that, and that's, that's just awesome from us. That's the kind of response we want, um, and we've always gotten from you guys, and it's awesome that we can actually visualize that now and see it. So we have a fun episode yeah. today. We have another returning guest, or somebody we spoke <laughs> about. Um, some inf- information on that man, Karis. We can we can we can say we have a throwback now. We're throwbacking to season one. Oh my god! Maybe I can do a throwback. Maybe the music will be from oh, that the episode. same one. Yeah, yep. that's a cool idea. Yes, it can be. I mean, we don't get banned <laughs> on Podbean <laughs> or YouTube. You mean? God. Yeah, yeah. So today, yeah, we're going to talk about William Karis. So we brought uh, Candace in because. Um, want to see her opinions on the thing. So we'll get her uh, input on some of this different stuff, but uh, we got to throw it out to Jackie 
Mm-hmm. Jackie uh, Myrick. Jackie Myrick. North Carolina. He is our researcher extraordinaire. Mm. And he comes up with stuff that it just blows my mind. Like it really does. Yeah. And it's it just all of a sudden like here it all is. And he comes across some stuff and you're going to hear some stuff today that uh, I don't know if anybody knows besides us. Cool. Do we have anything for our Patreon? No, <laughs> we're putting it all on here. Awesome. <laughs> well, if you're a Patreon member, there you go. Yeah. You heard it straight from Chris's mouth. That's right. Uh, we'll, we'll put maybe some, maybe some cool videos from back in the day from that we may have come across from Karis stuff. Maybe. Yeah, I think maybe. you're going to get a nice little Karis video. Yeah. You get to watch him in action yeah. in a cave. Yeah. And actually doing a presentation too. Yeah. So you check actually, it out. Yeah. It's gonna check be it out. Cool. Join the Patreon or the Patreon link below. Yeah, so um, so we found out these interesting things. We're going to throw them across to you and then kind of have an open kind of discussion to talk about what we think about them. The first one of being, and I'm kind of doing this in a timeline, we already kind of talked about Karis and his events and what he did at the search, but we don't really know a lot about Karis himself. Uh, so we found out some stuff. The first thing is actually something that we're not 100% sure is his, but he, it puts him in Washington, D.C., which is where he was from, the Virginia, Washington area. But uh, it uh, has to do with an SEC violation. So the, the Securities and Exchange Commission, they, in 1961, uh, gave this um, to the Summit Investment Corporation, they uh, said they engaged in practices which would and did operate as fraud and deceit. Huh. Ends up saying here they, there was different presidents. Anyway, William G. Karras was the president in November of 1961, and that summit changed its principal business address and failed to report such changes. That's not a big thing. But you go in later into this report, and it says, Moreover, the staff charges that during specified periods in 1961, Summit violated the commission's net capital and record-keeping rules and that it failed to file a report of financial conditions for 1961. Starnick, who was one of the other presidents, and Karras are said to have aided and abated, abetted the net capital rule violation and Karras the record-keeping and reporting violations. Wow. Can we have that document to show? Yeah, yeah, sure. It's uh, it's it's coming out an SEC violation. It was just something a, a random Google search brought up. So that's nuts. Yeah. So back in 1962, an SEC News Digest that came from. Again, it says this is a Washington-based. He was in Washington and Virginia at the time, and so we're. I don't think there's too many William G. Karras's no, out there. It was definitely him. Yeah. So uh, next thing real quick, we go is the 1965 uh, Frankie. We had a, a gentleman on about this. We talked about it in depth, but the Schroeder's pants cave, you want to give her a quick recap on that? Yeah. Uh, Christian Lyon, actually still a very good friend of mine on uh, Facebook. He actually lived, moved out to Arizona from California. He's still doing the acting thing, but the Schroeder's pants uh, cave actually happened on his family's um, property. And um, it was a very disturbing uh, case. If you haven't listened to that episode, if you're new to the podcast or you've been listening for a long time, go ahead and revisit that one on Podbean. That, unfortunately, doesn't have a YouTube video. Um, but I know that two things are happening from Schroeder's Pay. Christian is trying to put that documentary together because they have all this footage mm. from when this kid got stuck. It was a terrible story. Um, basically, they had told him, don't go into this cave because of the snow melt. And it's going to be a lot of water. And it's going to happen pretty quickly. And, you know, inpatients got the best of him. Uh, they went in uh, three people in total. Two had never caved before in their life. Kid goes down. It's a very intricate cave. I forget the name of it. I think it was called the shotgun or the something like that. Yeah. And um, he basically what happens is he is on a um, kind of like a little conveyor belt. 
Um, but he's kind of sitting in this bench chair. So imagine, if you will, like a bench chair and some rope. He's going down it, and then he realizes that the snow melt is actually getting worse, and the water is falling on top of him, and this water is freezing. So it's right around 30 degrees temperature. It's falling on his head, so they decide to pull him back up. When that happens, the rope actually starts to freeze, and the ice gets caught in the actual um, device, the mechanical device as itself, his hands start to go numb and he's about eight feet from where they are and he can actually see his friends and try to call for help. But unfortunately it doesn't happen. Um, long story short, they bring out people. Karis actually comes out at some point at this point, he's already gone. He had passed on, um, just from the cold and exposure. Mm -hmm. It's a very sad story. Um, the story goes into even a more darker twist that we would realize later that Karis, what he reported happened in that cave, didn't happen in that cave. And we know this for a fact because Christian Lyon is the one that actually rescues the body in 2004 after they had basically exploded it, uh, closed it off, but he just was not confident with his body being down there. So Christian goes down there and he actually finds it. And everything that Karis reported, of course, was false. It was faulty. It was wrong. Um, he ended up never putting a body bag on him. He basically cut the rope and the kid fell to, you know, his feet. He was found slumped over. Um, and some parts of his body were still preserved because of the coldness. Uh, it's, a, it's a very sad story. It's a very tragic story. Um, it, it, like I said, you want to revisit it, but once again, this is one of the key highlight 1965, two years outside of the boys where right. it's just a, you know, you're now you're, you're going to have this failure of an episode, which he blamed everything on everybody else, but himself. And, um, actually another person, uh, died on that scene. Hmm. Uh, it was a person that had gone down and basically had a heart attack outside the cave. Um, that's initially in the, in the first report. So. There's a it was a it was a it was a fiasco as somebody on his team. So so that happened in February, and yep. then so just a few months later in April we moved to Roland, Arkansas. Okay, mm -hmm. and so this is one we didn't talk about. So in April of 1965, the Roland Cave Rescue happened, and and we were a little bit incorrect in in our assumptions uh, in season one, and that had to do with that that Karis never had a successful uh, rescue. And that's not true. We actually did have one successful rescue and that happened in this Roland cave rescue. Long story short, there was, um, it was um, April of 65. Four friends were exploring the cave. There were four men ranging from age of 20 to 42. They were all experienced cavers. Anyway, they were going to spend literally the whole weekend in the cave exploring because they were trying to find a passageway into this Blanchard Springs caverns. Okay. So they spend a couple days in there. They don't find the, the passageway. So they decide to come back. Uh, they started on Friday. They came back out on Sunday and come out to find out that when they were working their way back out from their original place on Sunday, that it rained outside and over the weekend and it filled up part of the cave. And so they were actually trapped in the cave. Luckily, um, there were some other cavers that were supposed to go and didn't go. And they realized quickly that they didn't come back out of the cave. So then it can't turn into a rescue operation. Ironically, guess who uh, got to go on air force two again? That's William Karras. Yeah, that'd be William Karras. He spends a lot of time on Air Force Two. Must be nice. In the 60s. Uh, but uh, so he comes by, and uh, luckily it was a successful attempt. They brought in some Navy divers. Uh, they actually had a Navy diver take a rope and literally um, go to where they were with the rope and said, here, hold on to this rope, and then we'll be back later to bring you some diving equipment. And so they brought the diving equipment and were able to all do diving to go back out and get out of the cave. Uh, there was one death that happened that wasn't related to the cavers. It was actually a neighbor diver named Lyle Thomas. He suffered a heart attack while uh, diving and passed away. Uh, so you did have a, a fatality, unfortunately, with that, but it wasn't from the actual cavers. We mentioned this 
there is a video out there we'll have uh, that we'll post. And then we're going to put that on the Patreon side. Um, so there's actually a whole presentation that Karis did about the search. So I guess really I don't want to put much of a negative emphasis in it, but um, he really took advantage of a positive result. And, sure. and he actually created the, uh, you know, the illusion. SSA created this video just for the purpose because it was a successful rescue. Yeah, it's funny we don't have the... the um the unsuccessful ones on video. Yeah. Can't even find news footage of the Lost Boys. This is just, it's still abhorrent. I, I don't understand. So let's uh, continue on. Ni- kind of give a little bit of timeline. So before we get to 1967, 1966, we did find proof that uh, Karras was a circulation manager for the Washington Star newspaper. So that happened in 1966. Then of course, 1967 is when the boys went missing. We move on past that. After 1967, the Speleological Society of America. I'm so proud that I can say that, by the way. You can. Um, they disbanded in August of 1971. They only lasted four years. Karis is um, is said to say the reason why they broke up was dis- they disbanded due to political fighting within the caving community. Boy, that sounds familiar. Not surprising. It yeah. still exists, Chris. It still does. Uh, so Karras moved to Washington State, and uh, he actually started a hot air production company making items such as uh, balloons and gondolas. And then in 1981, him and another guy were the first ever to cross the Cascade Mountains by hot air balloon. In 1983, Karras was uh, performing a air show in Sumner, Washington. He was in an ultralight plane and had some fuel issues, ends up crashing into a tree and uh, ended up being seriously injured. Uh, had an eye injury and some other injuries that happened. And then finally, uh, just to kind of wrap things up, uh, he passed away in uh, February 2004 from cancer. We did find out, however, he had uh, married three times, Hmm. uh, had three kids. And uh, the biggest thing about all this before we get into the discussion point is um, William Karras is not his actual name. Yes, he he actually took the name from 79 William uh, Edward Blatty's Exorcist film. William William Karras is actually the name of the priest in that film. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's pretty crazy when you're huh. watching that, and it's like we watched it on Halloween. I'm like, wow, that, that name sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, according to uh, Jackie's great research, uh, William Karras's grave or headstone actually doesn't say William Karras. It says Billy G. Karras. Oh, it's William, but yeah. yeah. But here's the thing: it's actually flipped around. His legal name is Billy G. Karras, but his name that he went by in caving community and, and obviously SEC stuff was William Karras. More professional. Doesn't sound like a kid. Yeah. But your legal name was actually Billy. Yeah. Which is kind of weird. My legal name's Frankie. So it's, you know, <laughs> is your real name Francis? Nope. <laughs> it's Frank. Which is a little bit, a little bit strange. So anyway, that's kind of a, ca- a recap of, of some of the new stuff we found out. But uh, obviously Denise, uh, sorry, Candace hasn't been, uh, hasn't had any discussion, but we wanted to bring her in here because one of the things that uh, Denise did bring up, and I want to talk to you about Candace, is um, something that Karis said to her, uh, to, or actually to her parents, uh, back in 1967, saying that you will never find them again? Was that what was said? Yeah. He had come home, or he'd come to my grandparents' house, was covered in mud in a suit, and they were heading to a wedding. Um, and he told my grandparents, you'll never find them. Mm. So I was always wondering, and somebody else brought this up to me, was that um, what, whose wedding would he possibly be going to? I don't know. We would have to ask my mom. Yeah. I don't know if she would remember with her being so young at the time. Right. But uh, 
it's, it's an odd remark to make. Mm-hmm. And it does make you wonder and question like what did something happen that day to make them for him to make that comment then? You know, I took it as two different ways. It could mean it's one is like he, he, if he's coming into this all muddy, he's saying to himself, all right, this is the last place I'm going to go. If they're not here, they're nowhere. And maybe that's the con- the concept or he went somewhere and then maybe a little bit more of a, a little darker side of things is that maybe there was something that somebody finally told him like, Hey, like stop searching for this. You know, it's done. You know, Frankie, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I feel like I'm always the conspiracy one in every podcast I'm on. <laughs> I mean, is it possible that, like, I mean, he starts this uh, air balloon business, like, not too far, not too long after this, right? Yeah. I mean, this is really his last big stint in caving. Yeah. I, I think that this is an uns- unsuccessful thing. Is it possible that, uh, and then he moves, too. He moves the, he, he completely moves out of the Virginia, Washington area. So it's interesting that you're flying on Air Force Two over the last, you know, couple, three years, and then you're completely out of the scene. And then you open up a business. It sounds to me that it's possible that a J.B. Tobin might have paid him off. Maybe he stumbled across something and it was just like, you know what? We don't need another body. Yeah. But here's some money and uh, just keep it quiet and just tell the parents, like, this is over. We're never going to find them. And I know that's so speculative. I have no proof to that. That is complete conjecture. So I don't want to be reamed on, like, commenting. It's like, another reason to discredit the podcast. (laughs) Just one person sits at home and does this. (laughs) <laughs> Listens to like 90 podcasts, discredit it. I didn't like it. Um, but I think that, you know, it, it, it lends it lends credence to some type of like speculation that it is kind of weird. I mean, you've spent over six weeks on the ground there and you're just going to, that's your final remarks and you're going to some weird wedding in, in Hannibal. Like yeah. how close did you grow? I, I'm not going to go to somebody's wedding after six weeks of knowing them. That's that whole situation and flying is flying to Hannibal to do that. Yeah. He's living in Washington. So like, yeah, I always thought that was kind of strange. There was something that I came across in, which made me wonder if maybe it wasn't a wedding and maybe it was something else. They actually had a, uh, a, a celebrate not a celebratory but like a thank you dinner that happened about a month and a half after the boys went missing and i was wondering if maybe that's what he was going to instead of like a wedding and so maybe that's why he needed to be dressed up because they they honored like all the cert- research searchers and he came back and i didn't even realize that yeah so that could be a possibility yeah so and it was something that, like the city did and or actually one of the organizations i think did and and so it, maybe it's a possibility that that was the case but it still just seems weird that and he did get drawn back. I mean, we did see that he got drawn back by um, the Hogue family one time. And then actually uh, Helen Dow went to city council and said, hey, you know, this Atwood guy has something. We want to be able to check this out. Could could he come back again? I mean, Karis made a couple trips back to Hannibal even after the search was officially over. However, I will flip it around. And one of the things I find interesting goes back to, and I've had other people mention to me, kind of going down the conspiracy theory path again is that um and we talked about this in the mayor issue uh the episode we did about the mayor is that there was multiple attempts like that karis and even the mayor of hannibal was like we're ending at this time and then like all of a sudden they're like okay we're gonna keep going we're ending at this time and then they kept going like it happened multiple times karis and the mayor both said you know we're gonna end so it's kind of weird I mean, it is, but at the same time, I mean, I can look at that and say, you know, maybe they were closer to something that they hadn't been to. Um, you know, we've cleared the mayor of any wrongdoing. I think yeah. the mayor, I think the mayor there now is 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 uh, in, in Hannibal. I mean, he's dealing with a lot of interesting stuff that's going on in Hannibal. If you've been following the news, so I think uh, generally Hannibal's had a good line of mayors. Um, 
so I wouldn't go that well. You might know more than I do, but um, <laughs> the the I don't know the idea, the presence of uh, the one thing that you mentioned there that really kind of stuck out to me is that, and we get this too. It's kind of funny. Um, we don't get it so much on Facebook, but we get it a lot on Podbean. I don't know if you've ever gone through the comments on Podbean. There's thousands of them, <laughs> and I've never gone through them. So I'm like, I saw a, multiple themes of the Dow family. Like, how come the Dow family's not involved? And Helen was very involved. Helen yeah. never believed they were in the caves either. Hmm. She was kind of the one person, like the Dow Helen. She didn't believe they were in the caves. She, hmm. she, I think she believed foul play. That's why we kind of need to talk to a Dow. Yeah. Just before this whole thing wraps up. And, uh, you know, if we, if we, if, if, um, what we think is going to happen this year is that we're going to get super close and hell, we might even uh, find the boys. I mean, we, we would want them to be a part yeah. of that, you know, before anybody, before press, before, absolutely, you know, to, so to have a, a line into them, even if they don't want to be on the show, even if they don't want us to mention them on the show, but they could kind of be in our, our private groups with the, the Hogue family and, and keep it there until they feel more comfortable. You but, bring up a really good point. I mean, like, I mean, just for you guys, I mean, if, I mean, it would just be wrong. I mean, for the media to find out before the Dow family would be absolutely them out. I mean, that will not happen. Do and not want that to that happen. That's a good Mom point. Mom and I have tri- have said all along too. Like, if we find something, they need to know. Yeah, like everybody else does. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And that's been a theme too with us too. Even that that, that huge dig that we did, and um, this 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 podcast is cool too because you're going to have a caver from '67. That's a, that actually was on the ground there, was in the caves. Um, she's going to be on the podcast, which is fun. You guys could see the full interview um, on the Patreon and then clips of her um, throughout that episode. So I think this kind of, we can get a lot of, of good answers from here. I don't know if you knew that that was going down, but that's something that Chris <laughs> had put together with a, a, a yeah. good group that he's kind of formed out in Hannibal. But she has, um, we're not going to give away her name right now, but we she has agreed to come on the show and, and talk about it. I think you can really get a different feel for this because here's somebody that is actually in those caves and doing the things um, that we're all talking about and speculating, you know? Yeah. I, I want to bring up one more thing, kind of going back to the Karis part, and that has to do with uh, something that's resurfaced recently. I'm giving out a, a shout out to our favorite geologist, Julie Angel, because she sent this to us, sent this to me actually like three years ago. And it was one of those things where I read it and I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And now with the stuff we know now, and in the next episode, we'll talk about more specifically with the caving stuff. Uh, but it, it actually kind of hit, hit, a, hit a little spot. And it's the last paragraph. It's actually a... Uh, came from a listserv. So you remember back in the 90s when before you had like forums and stuff, like you used to be able to actually send emails out to these listservs mm. where it was to everybody. Well, this was for a caving listserv. And um, it was um, Mo Caves uh, list. And um, it was from Jerry Vineyard. And the last paragraph I'm going to read real quick because I, I kind of hit me, and especially with this episode, it says, uh, I've often wondered what happened to Bill Karras. He was a memorable character, misguided perhaps, but memorable he did what he did becoming part of the fascinating history of the missouri caving of missouri caving and the hannibal tragedy remains one of the greatest mysteries in caving what really happened to those three boys but he says the misguided mm. william karras misguided by who <laughs> there you go yeah and i think there's 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 an interesting you know chunk to bite off there with some cavers that were there um i think that Vineyard for me is, it's almost like a, you know, if we're, if we're to do the documentary, right, if we do get the funding and we're able to do it, 
Um, I think he's an integral part of the story. I think there's this beautiful character that develops there that like, this is the guy that's the go guy. This is the guy that's like, we don't stop looking until we find them. And I think that did haunt him for years. I think that was what, what we consider, you know, in, in my other podcast, the haunting, right? The haunting is the memory. That's what haunts you. It's, it's the, that's the ghost. And that was, I think one of his ghosts, I think that was something that maybe he could have done more, even like, talking to your family with the Wingate scenario on one of our first episodes we had you on is, is such a enlightening, but I wonder how many other people like Vineyard walked away from that with that same type of idea and feeling. Yeah. I, I'm on a machine. I, I just, I, this was by accident, Frankie. I'm actually sitting here looking at the top of this email because I was like, yeah, you know, Jerry was actually, he was you mean a, listserv. Yeah, I was, well, yeah, but it's a PDF now. <laughs> um, and thanks to Julie again for sending this to me, but he was, he worked for the state. Jerry was the state geologist. I think he was, he was pretty high up there. Uh, don't quote me on that, but he was in, he worked for the state and it says here, I didn't even catch this just reading it. And it says here, um, something about there was also published account of the Hannibal event, which is one of the few publications of the SSA. It was written by Bill Karras. So it paints the SSA with a colorful and dramatic brush. Wow. <laughs> I I just caught that. I'm like, holy cow, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> yeah, and I think we've read that publication too. I think that there's Yeah, it's a, the one we based all of our information off of at the beginning. Yeah. And yeah. it does. It it does give you a broad stroke of like the events that happen and unfold it. It is a very long document. Um I, I still feel that like the police involvement is just weird because and this is something that I, I wanted to share with you guys, and I waited to do this. It's not a Patreon. Everybody gets to hear this. But um, we recently, uh, we have a, it's actually from Patreon. It's missingkits.org. There is an actual, there's a server um, that if you're not listed as a missing kid, you don't get tagged. You don't get any kind of information. But to date, there's 130 um, John Doe's and Jane Doe's hmm. that they've never identified. And is it possible that they were found? Is it possible that the remains are just been kept by these organizations and been like until they could further discover what happened? Um, and that's like a real thing that, that's actually happening is that they could have, you know. And the other thing, too, is like I, I heard somebody say recently, like the Mississippi River, you guys never talk about the river. You never talk about you know, them drowning and getting caught in a current. But the thing with that is everything I've ever read is like, wouldn't that eventually turn up? Yeah, that doesn't, in Mississippi River, eventually they'll show up, especially three. I mean, yeah. One would eventually right. show up. Um, you you mentioned the, with the, the Karis thing and with the, specifically with the, um, with the report that he did. Mm. And one of the things that we've come across is that there's actually stuff kind of going back to the dramatic and colorful brush. There is stuff in the Karis report that is not accurate. Yeah. And and we were actually, you know, in our research and pulling all the newspaper articles from the Herald Wig and, and the Hannibal Courier Post and all these things, there's contradictions. I mean, we even told alone that one of the biggest ones goes back to what we're going to be talking about in the next episode with the with the uh, cutout, with mm -hmm. the with the cutout area, um, is that he said that there was nobody that searched the cutout until like the next day in the report. And that's a lie because it literally says in the newspaper, like the Mark Twain rescue squad was at the cutout at 730 that night. And he, he contradicts it in his in his thing. So we know there's inaccuracies. But again, there's a lot going on. I get that part. But um, 
you know, how much, and this just says a dramatic, you know, the colorful and dramatic brush I keep going back to. It's like, like, wow, what else is in there? Maybe we didn't catch. Yeah. And I, and I think it goes back to 65 too, or you have, you know, here's another unsuccessful thing where I don't know if he needed to clear his head with the family. I think that the one reoccurring theme with all of this too, is that I think people did know more. I think there were workers there that knew more. Um, that one guy in the bar, that's yeah. the one that haunts me the most. Um, I, I wish there was somebody that was at that bar that night that remembers that. Um, cause that's huge. That's a, that's a big, that's a big gap right there. It's like, you know, to, to even kind of pontificate, you know, because what is it? I mean, like it's a, what do they call it? Courage juice, you know, mm. alcohol. So, you know, liquid, uh, liquid courage. Um, so I think that you're kind of coming out and, you know, you're living with something. Uh, the, the, I think we've covered a lot. Um, and the funny thing about, like, the Charles Stewart episode, too, like, he never once in that entire interview mentions the dig, mentions what happened, or Karis or any of the characters. And, and you're talking about over 350 people, 150 being National Guardsmen searching the area. I think that's what got a lot of people perplexed. But once again, I go back to that poll that we did on Facebook and – it's like forty one percent. I'm just leaving it up there. I'm not closing it. Like people were really shocked by the results. Yeah, me too. Yeah, like I was just. But uh, and I I've talked about this too. Is the you know the it's it's come down. It was a lot higher. I mean we we've always done those polls, and about every season we would always do a poll. Season one, it was like seventy percent that people believe they were in the caves, and and so it has switched a little bit. But I mean overall, it's still the majority. And and really, I mean my thought process in this is. I never say it right. Alcums, Alcums Razor, Alcums Razor. Oh, Alcums. Alcums. So it's if they're going to be lost anywhere, it's going to be in that area. <laughs> Just a cool title. It's like speleological. It'll take me a while. Um, you got it. Yeah, but uh, you know, I think that you know, you go to the, to the easiest assumption, and the easiest assumption is they're jumping in. They're jumping in these holes in the ground. I mean, if they're going to go missing, where are they going to go? Likely missing from in in the cave. But then you have Tex Yoakum, William well, then, Harris. But you're also, Occam's Razor wouldn't say that, though. Occam's Razor said that the last time they were seen was near the road cut. It was up top, Flubber's yeah. Leap. Yeah. is the last reported testimony, which we never really get into that 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 janitor. Yeah. And that's the janitor is weird. I'm sorry. That's something that's kind of been developing, and that's something like our discussion group keeps falling back on that all the time. I don't blame them. Like, we've yeah. really not well, done. Give them the details. So the, the, the biggest detail is that we've brought up drones, my own drone. I think even uh, Rich brought up his drone at mm -hmm. one point. And what we did was we brought the drone to the level of that school and then looked out over where these boys allegedly were. But we've had reports from people that live there, including yourself, that there were trees there. Yeah. Now, I can have that in May you might not be getting the foliage back, right? Eh, you're probably already there by May. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you have foliage. You have um, a you lot of story house sitting right there yeah. on the corner too. Yeah, mm -hmm. a two story house. So the other thing that you can comment on is that he saw them earlier in the day. Now, why does he say that? Right, that's something that I think that sticks out for the audience too. Is like, why are you saying that you saw them earlier in the day? Now, two things come to my mind. If he saw them earlier in the day, then he saw how they were dressed or what they had on. Where if you saw them from miles out and say he was wearing yellow or white or something like that, and he could see that far. I mean, I'm 45 and I'm, I, I need bifocals right now. <laughs> and I never had problems with vision. So I'm trying to think, all right, if you got a, 
an older man. Or maybe he's 45. Maybe maybe he he's was young. Old. He was older. Yeah, was okay. Older. So, I mean, like, I just find it very peculiar that you have this, I mean, and then whatever happens of the gender, right? He, We know he dies. Yep. But whatever happens to that, there's no follow-up. There's, like, zero police involvement. Like, But that's something, like, you know, and then you get into, like, something I saw the other day where... Um, the National Guardsman did see fresh prints in this house in the woods somewhere. Um, and we never like followed up on that too, but there's all these reoccurring, the sock in the quarry. Remember that one, the matching mm-hmm. sock that they brought to the family. So, you know, and the thing that just buzzes me is just like, okay, you're held a, we know, do we know that they really had a trench shovel? Yes. Because the mom said they got it for Christmas. Right. So where the hell is the trench shovel? Yeah. Where is the flashlights? Where, where are all those things at? So those types of things for me, like even if you're getting abducted, right? Like you're not going to think that, you know, carry the shovel, but could be a trophy item for somebody. Backtrack though. So let's, so let's just say that the janitor's story doesn't flow. It, it doesn't check. It destroys out. the time. So no, it doesn't because that just tracks it back five minutes to when Mrs. Kohler Lise Kohler, right? Mm-hmm. Saw the boys. That was at 510. She was driving in her car and that was really close to the cutout. It wasn't at that location. But really, you're just losing five minutes. So even if the janitor's story is lying, you you still have them in the cutout area at 510 and not so when you say So when you say cutout area, do we have the right location because of how it looked back then versus how it looks oh, yeah. today? Because if you look at the terraces, the terraces look exactly the same as they did in 1967. They so, haven't changed. So they both identified the boys on the terrace. Mm-hmm. The second ter- terrace level, which is still there today. So how lost can you, and then once again, I'll bring this question up. How lost can you get in 15 minutes? Yeah. The other point is. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. how lost can you really get? Like, I've, I've thought about this as a big guy. Like, you know, even, I, I'm terrible with GPS, by the way. I'm horrible with directions. Um, it doesn't help that my fiance is also horrible with directions. So we're mostly lost when we drive. <laughs> um, but I think, I think that when you, when you, when I look at it from the perspective, okay, I'm on a terrace, right? What's my nearest hole? Okay. From this point, where is my nearest hole? How, this is the test I want to do. I actually want to do it with cameras. I want to do it with kids their age. Um, if you've been on the YouTube, you've seen, I think that the horrible, most horrible representation of these kids is the photos that everybody keeps passing around <laughs> because they're super young in those photos. This is not what yeah. they look like. Yeah, Billy was tall. You could tell. And, and there's a really sweet, cute picture of Denise that we posted in the Charles Stewart episode, I think, mm-hmm. where she's kind of, she's got to be three. Yeah. Um, and she's sitting on the edge of the photo and you can see Danny and Billy sitting there. And then he, I think he's holding his cousin Wesley or something. But it's a really cool photo. But that's Billy. You can tell that this kid could have been more noticeable than we thought he was. Yeah. But if you see the young picture of him in that, that one thing that keeps circulating, it that, that's a tiny little kid. But Billy and Craig were both pretty tall for their age. Okay? So so you got to put that in perspective. Or Joey. Jo- Joey and Billy. Fairly tall. And I think and Craig he, definitely was. Craig was a big guy. Craig, Craig was, was the biggest. Yeah. Yeah. And then Tim was tall too. Right? So let's get back to your, is, is So what are you talking about the hole? Yeah, I'm curious where you're Sorry. going with this. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, what I, what I'm saying is is that like I think that um, when you when you look at it from if you took those two kids and you got kids roughly the same age and roughly the same demeanor that were adventurous. These kids today are always on video games, but somebody that was outside, mm-hmm. um, and you put them on that terrace, 
I want to see how long it takes them to get to the first thing they would have dove in. So there's an, uh, yeah, I, there's, there's things. Like that how are, long is that? Is that 15 minutes? That puts them at 530. No, I mean, it's a matter, especially where we believe one of the holes we're at and compared to where the janitor saw them, it's literally probably going to take them um, maybe 30 seconds to get that. And that's where I start with all the resistivity. That's where I start with yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and we, you got to think about that too. And we do know that, you know, going back to Tex Shokum, he did rip up a good portion of the cutouts. Uh-huh. He went 10 foot deeper. He went 150 foot long and 50 feet wide. Uh, and so we have a pretty good idea where that section's at. Uh, but however, there are some sections that still are not covered because they gave up eventually. And so like we know, and we'll talk about this next episode, but there's passages that go underneath the road that um, he didn't get to. And so that was farther up the high, up the hill, if you will. Yeah. Um, so there is areas, but uh, you know, going back to, to Thomas, I, there's been a lot of speculation. A lot of people are like, they can't, he can't see, have seen them, can't have seen them. And, and that's fine, them. but it still comes back to five minutes later, he had another re- repetable or you know or whatever you want to say somebody that's that you can trust it was a school teacher sure um and um you know also a quick little side story that's yeah, eyewitness testimony i mean yeah. but, but even that as of late has been getting very yeah the um know. so one of the things is her i don't i think it was her mother or maybe it was her it was her mom was it her mom that yeah. believed that she had a premonition that they were underneath the redbud tree we yes. have been able to find the location of the redbud tree um and we'll talk about that next episode but um but so we're we're Focusing on that is one of our areas that we're going to look at because why not? You know, oh, we can do the red butt episode, the red butt episode, the Orson Welles <laughs> episode. So, Candace, do you have anything else? I don't have anything else. I don't think so. Okay. Well, we just enjoyed having you, so it's been fun. Yeah. Um, it's always fun being in a room with you too. Ah, <laughs> that's fun. That's sweet. My my true crime mind. <laughs> I'm telling you, they're right there. I mean, if they're in the cave, they're yeah. right there. Yeah, I agree. It's right there. I mean, and, and you've already, you know, the stuff with the 79 in that cave, it all connects. I mean, yeah. I'm telling you, man, I, this is the year. I agree. I agree. This is the year. Hey, next, uh, speaking of that, uh, next episode, I believe we're going to be talking more about that set in that neck of the woods. I know. It's going to be a very fun episode. we got red bud trees. We've got premonitions. We've got Chris in the caves and me not in them. <laughs> <laughs> So from from all of us here at the Lost Boys Animal Podcast, I'm Frankie. I'm Chris. That's Chris. We'll be seeing you.